Welcome to Props and Hops here on the Hammer Betting Network. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined by pro better Hitman, as well as our producer, Jacob. And Jacob, after Hitman went 3-0, a clean sweep last week, and I managed to go 0-2, I hope you knew which one of us to follow for your week one prop betting. You know, Matt, I don't want to be disrespectful in any way whatsoever, but uh, I did tail all of Hitman's picks and was very happy to see some winners there. There we go. And hopefully you did not tail any of mine because I played Hitman's as well. And even with my 0-2, we came out in the black as a show. Hitman, all the credit goes to you for that. And now that we've got one game in the books, how do you adjust knowing that, yes, we've seen some real action, so that means something. And at the same time, the numbers for any one game could still contain quite a bit of noise. Yeah, uh, the thing that I'm looking at, is some of the lines that, like you just said, they've been adjusted, and I'm just trying to figure out, hey, is it warranted or not? Now, you see some lines this week, Daryl Henderson, his prop line was 30 rush yards uh, for week one. Now it's in the high 50s. Uh, David Njoku, that was a guy I was high on last week. I actually played him over 31 and a half receiving yards. He's at 20 and a half now. So there's examples like that that you're just trying to, make a determination, listen, was I wrong on this? Were the week one lines wrong? Is this guy's role not going to be what I anticipate? Or is the move warranted? So that's really the big thing that I'm trying to focus on in week two is I'm looking at the usage in week one and trying to make a determination on what big line moves from week one to week two are warranted and what is not. And when it comes to making sense of week one to inform the week two approach, let's get right to it with one of the marquee games, if not the marquee game in the early window on Sunday, Bucks at the Saints, a key NFC South matchup. Hitman, what are you looking for in this one from a props perspective? So I think that the Tom Brady unders are going to have a lot of value. And I played them at 277 and a half. I think that it has a lot of room that you could even go down to 270 and a half or so on his unders for this game. Look, you have Godwin's out. Russell Gage, maybe not 100%. Um, Julio Jones, maybe not 100%. Mike Evans, maybe not 100%. Leonard Fournette, maybe not 100%. I literally just named every single Bucks pass catcher that they're either going to play, they're either going to be limited, or they're not going to play at all. Go to the offensive line. Four offensive linemen from last season are out in this game. Donovan Smith being the most recent one. Obviously, the Bucs still don't have much of a pass-catching tight end without Gronk, where, where they're starting camp right now. So I think that all the stars align for potential unders in this, where Brady's kind of getting valued at what he was last season. And people just got to realize it's last season. And let's add this on top of it. The Saints defense has done an excellent job against Brady. He's went under this number in four out of five games against the Saints. So I think that all the stars are aligning. And let me just add one more thing to it is that Bowles has been adamant that he wants to run the ball more this year. And the Bucs were towards the bottom of the league in pass rate over expectation last week so 
I think you just have a perfect storm for, for an under on anything with Brady. And I don't know if it's going to come back at 277 and a half because this did get released. But anything in the low 270s, I think, on Brady unders is worth a look. And since the total passing yardage prop has been hit, you've made it clear anything 270 and a half or above seems playable in your book. But for people who might have missed the best of the number there, is there any meat still left on the bone, perhaps, if we look at things like Brady completions, Brady attempts? Sometimes if passing yardage gets hit, those other derivative props kind of stay the same. Yeah, I, I would be more inclined to look at the under 38 and a half attempts on Brady, I think that that is a pretty good look. And just like you said, a lot of times one number will get hit and you'll have value on the others. Like for example, um, for example, on this Brady one, like we just said, the pass yards, get that under, hey, there could be value on completions. Or another example, last week in that monsoon with Justin Fields and Trey Lance, a lot of services gave out under pass yards and the market did get blown up on that. But a lot, of, a lot of sites were late to adjust the attempts, late to adjust the completions. And that was a game that if you looked at the weather conditions, you knew that that was probably going to have value also. So, yeah, definitely a way to attack props. If one of the markets does get beat up, then you could look at some of the correlations in the other markets. You just touched on that monsoon game last week in Chicago, and I think that's a nice bridge to talk about the team that lost that game as a pretty big favorite, the 49ers in week two hosting Seattle and coming out of those crazy conditions at Soldier Field. Hitman, do you feel like if we can take the result with a grain of salt and say the Niners offense probably better than it looked last Sunday, the defense maybe not as good as it looked, is there anything looking at either offense in this game, the Niners or the Seahawks, where you could potentially see any prop betting value because of the misleading box scores from San Francisco's week one game? You know, normally I would think that. But the thing is, is right now the game that is looking to maybe have the worst weather of the entire weekend is once again in San Francisco. And some of the best bets that you're going to make in NFL prop betting is going to be on these weather related plays. And the best example I could think of just from this season is obviously that game last week, but last season, the best example I could think of is that wind game in Buffalo, New England, where you could just blindly bet every player under and you're going to win. So normally I would say maybe there's value in some San Francisco overs based off of what happened last week. But I'm actually looking towards a lot of the unders this week because of the potential rain. And the, the guy that I've targeted the most on the unders has been Geno Smith for, for this week. Got it. When it comes to Smith, anything particular, passing yards, attempts, completions, is there anything that seems worth playing or at least looking for a certain number over the course of these next couple of days to possibly lock in prior to kickoff? Another one that Geno Smith pass yards at open to 20 and a half, which is way too high. It's been bet down all the way to 208 and a half, I think, in some spots right now. But you haven't seen a big move on the completions and under completions, under 20 and a half completions is worth a look for me as well. Got it. Jacob, I'm pulling up my bet stamp odd screen right now, but you might be a step ahead of me. Are you seeing that 20 and a half widely available for Geno completions? Yeah, I am seeing 
some good numbers all over the board here for Gino. Um, if you go to the pass yards, uh, I am seeing a little bit. I'm just kind of on the screen right now. Let's pull it up for, for everybody as well. Uh, hey, man, was saying 208. You can even still find this at 214. I think there's a 215 maybe in here. Um, 214 and a half, you can go under, and it's not even very juiced. So going off of what we've been saying here, there could be some good value. You can still get that if you shop around there. Awesome. And yeah, I'm unless, seeing- and last week with Geno Smith, he came out throwing in that Denver game, and it surprised a lot of people. But we know that the Seahawks, fundamentally, they want to be a run-first, slow-paced offense. And if you're going to be playing in these conditions against a quarterback and Trey Lance, that maybe he's not going to put a lot of pressure on you to actually throw the ball much, then I, I think that Geno – that like I said Seattle that's how they want to play they want to be run first they want to be defense first and in potentially bad weather conditions that that's the best possible spot to play that type of style I I also do have a question for uh because in the sense for Gino do you think that I mean he surprised a lot of us in the first half of that game on Monday do you think that's playing it all into sort of inflating his numbers for this one yeah I think I think that it does but remember, this is a game he completed 82% of his passes in that game, which is not sustainable at all. And I thought that he looked, I thought he looked solid also, but there's going to, he's going to need to be very efficient, in my opinion, to be able to reach a lot of these numbers. And I just, it, it's tough to bank on that type of efficiency from Geno Smith, to be honest. You talked, Hitman, about Seattle being run heavy for years. That was the bane of a lot of betters' existence, wanting to see Russ Cook. And Denver this week taking on the Texans in their home opener. And I know that earlier you went ahead and mentioned liking this game to go over the total of 45. And I think part of the rationale might relate to some props as well. We saw the Texans go with a pretty quick tempo in week one. The Denver offense misleading 16-point scoreboard output in Seattle, and they'll be going up at Texans defense coming off a full overtime, now playing at elevation early in the season. That tends to wear teams out in Denver. So from a prop betting standpoint with Texans Broncos, does anything offer any appeal to you at this stage? Funny, because normally if there's a game that I do like over, I will attack some of the props over. And I also gave out, and I like the Vikings-Eagles game over, and there's no props widely available on that, but I have a good feeling that I'm going to be interested in some of the overs in that game. But with this game, I think that Cortland Sutton, if I had to pick somebody, would be the best look towards an over, although I still have personally not bet it. Um, somewhere in the mid-50s, uh, you heard all the off-season reports about that was the guy that Russ was looking at in the off in uh, training camp, and you can kind of he's kind of similar to a DK Metcalf, not as fast as DK Metcalf, but a similar body build to him. So I think that if you were going to look at some overs, you would look at Cortland Sutton, but not much I've done uh, honestly. the 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 only play that I've really bet in this game was actually a uh, under, and it was Melvin Gordon under rush yards somewhere in the mid-50s right now. And that was just really about, for a guy that is sharing time, maybe he's getting 40% of the workload 
it's just a high number and a lot of stuff could go wrong where they could fall behind in the game. They could not get much play volume and Gordon's probably going to need volume as the second running back to get to that number. So good point. Good, good topic by you on attacking overs on games that we like the game total to go over, but this wasn't one that I found a ton of value in yet personally. I'm interested in the Melvin Gordon look because I've also seen a lot of buzz about Javante Williams overs. So that could naturally correlate with Gordon coming under. And right now, as I look at the bet stamp screen, I'm seeing 53 and a half pretty much painted for Melvin Gordon rush yards at that stage. Do you still see any value or is there a price point cutoff to get in play on Gordon rush yards under? Yeah, I think it's decent down to 50 and a half. Okay, cool. Well, some good food for thought. An under for a player in a game that we like to go over. And moving on from Houston-Denver to another game that's attracted some interest to the over over the course of the week. And I think this one's maybe seen some two-way action. Arizona-Las Vegas, now the full game total settling in at about 51 and a half, it looks like. And I'm not so concerned with the full game total here. Um, Hitman Jacob, you probably know where I'm going with this after week one. I'm interested in going back to the well with Kyler Murray's rushing yardage, and I'm seeing it at 29 and a half right now. Last week, I bet Murray rush yards over. The number was 32 and a half. We lost it by three and a half yards. He landed at 29. I think a lot of that was game script related. The Chiefs were in such command throughout the second half. Why was Arizona going to put Murray at any risk of injury? This time around, I think there's going to be a more competitive matchup between the Cardinals and the Raiders. So overall, pretty similar handicap. Again, early season Kyler Murray is the healthiest version we will get of Kyler Murray. So I like to play on him before he potentially wears down as the season progresses. And also the Raiders with their pass rush, maybe he can fight fire with fire in that sense. And Hitman, I'm definitely going to come to you for your thoughts on this. But Jacob, I know we touched on it a bit earlier in the week after Murray fell just short of getting me on the board with at least one win on the prop betting side of things for props and hops this season. What do you think, Jacob, before Hitman clouds our judgment with his insight on going back to the well with Kyler Murray this week? I mean, I think... For Kyler Murray, the Cardinals were a bit of a disaster in that first game against the Chiefs. And even still, uh, as far as that bet went, you were pretty close to hitting it. And I remember we talked about it earlier in the week, and you said you're going right back in. You were confident from the get-go. So uh, I still think that you're—I I don't think necessarily it was a bad play, like just because it lost. But uh, we'll also see what Hitman has to say about it. I'm pretty neutral on it. I mean, gun the head, I would look towards the over, but I think that it's just an important lesson about not being afraid to go back to the well if you think you have value. Now, I mean, you lost Kyler Murray last week, obviously, but was there something that happened in that game to make you say, you know what, this is warrant, this warrants a three, four-yard adjustment for the next week? I mean, I personally don't think so because I think that the handicap was pretty solid last week about him being the healthiest that he's going to be all year. And you know what? This this week will probably be the second healthiest that he'll be all year. So no opinion personally on the play, but I would look in that direction. And I think that it's just an important lesson that if you have a strong handicap like that, don't let one week's results deter you in the next week. And I think that can be a good transition to the next game where one week's results have had a pretty profound market impact. Sunday night football, the Bears taking on the Packers. 
Hitman, I know that you were on Green Bay before they were double-digit favorites. So from a prop betting standpoint, I'll be interested in any general thoughts you have possibly playing off of that full game side position you've taken. But specifically with A.J. Dillon, last week on this show, you locked in receiving yards over 14 and a half. And to your credit, that cashed comfortably. I'm wondering if it might have cashed a little bit too comfortably when Dylan came in with 46 receiving yards in an otherwise ugly offensive effort for the Packers. When something hits by that much, I mean, more than tripling the total from the prior week, we see a big market adjustment. Does that pretty much close the window entirely on staying on Dylan receiving yards overs week over week? For the most part, um, I'll never say never. Sometimes they just won't make as big of an adjustment, but usually they will. And currently there is no A.J. Dillon lines out there for receiving. So we're going to have to wait a bit on that. But um, I'll be honest, I don't think that I'm going to be looking to play Dillon overs. And the big reason for that is that Aaron Jones is the Packers running back that I was looking to target this week. Now, there's – I don't think there's anything playable on Jones right now. I gave out a release on his total yards over. Adam Chernoff also gave a release on his rush yards over. So basically his entire market has blown up from the mid eighties total yards. I think it's in the low to mid nineties right now, but the handicap to that one was that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers were both adamant that we need to get Aaron Jones more touches than the eight touches that he had last week. And if they do focus on getting him more touches in all likelihood, that maybe takes just a little bit away from AJ Dillon. So even though the Aaron Jones stuff isn't playable right now, I think it maybe talks you out of doing anything involving AJ Dillon. If we look at the other side of the ball, we can circle back on a talking point from that Niners Seahawks game the Bears also involved in some really sloppy conditions last week. So again, nothing bettable at the moment. It sounds like for the Packers offense, we can say that the Bears defense, probably not as good as last week's 10 point scoreboard output for the Niners would indicate offensively for Chicago. Is there anywhere you're looking to cut them a little bit of slack because of those conditions and possibly get in play against the Packers? Or is it still a Justin Fields led offense with so little around him that it's tough to identify any value? Yeah, it's funny because the Bears and Packers game has possibly bad weather this week also. So just the rule of thumb, if there's even a possibility of bad weather, you either want to play the under or pass until it becomes more clear what, what's going to happen. Because let's say I did play Bears unders right now. and Let's say I liked Justin Fields under theoretically right now. I'm going to play under right now because if there's bad weather, that's going to be amazing for me. And if the weather's good, well, I liked it anyway. But if I like the over, I'm going to wait to get that weather report. So I don't have any plays right now on that Chicago game, but I would go under or pass on the Chicago guys until you get a clear weather report on that game. One more game to run by you. You touched on it earlier. Nothing available yet because it's going to be the second game on the Monday Night Football doubleheader, the Vikings at the Eagles. But I think there is some interesting food for thought for betters as we wait for props to become more widely available for that one. Knowing that you've also gone on record liking this one over 50 and a half, some increased passing rates, especially for the Vikings offense and and even the Eagles, they were super run heavy last year, and that's probably not going to be their MO to the same extent in 2022. From a prop betting standpoint, without anything being available yet, 
Are there any numbers or players that you're anticipating at this stage of the week? Yeah, look towards some of the past game overs. Uh, and it could be on both teams. Um, the Vikings really are struggling in the secondary. Uh, Patrick Peterson did not look good last week. He should have given up a 70-yard touchdown to Christian Watson if he didn't have it dropped through his hands. And the Eagles, I think, were 12th in pass rate over expectation a year after they were 32nd to close the season. So I think that the Eagles, you might see that the market doesn't fully adjust to how much they're throwing. And same with the Vikings. They came out throwing. Kirk Cousins had over 20 pass attempts in the first half. And if Philly's offense does put pressure on them, you you might see a pretty pass-heavy game from the Vikings. So have an idea of what you're looking for before these prop lines open up because let me tell you a lot of these openers are getting beat up and it's getting harder and harder to do shows later in the week because there's some services that DraftKings only will put out prop lines and they will release it to hundreds of clients and that will just completely destroy the market so you got to be quick on a lot of these prop lines nowadays one more angle I want to run by you for the Monday nighter is people prepare to get quick if they do see anything they like for those passing games. The Kirk Cousins being off his routine talking point, making it rounds across the sports media verse this week. And personally, I tend to put very little stock into narratives like that. However, I understand that there's a non-zero chance that Cousins being so regimented might not perform as well, you know, a different day, a different time slot than he's used to. So if you're looking at Vikings offensive props or perhaps looking at the Vikings as a teaser leg because they're in that range where you can take them up through three and seven, do you put any stock into that Kirk Cousins narrative when you put together your final approach for how to bet this Monday nighter in Philadelphia? Not really. Um, you know, you go back and you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers in these primetime games or the Monday night games they talk about him not playing well in. They're not even that bad. I mean, maybe they're a little bit worse than what his career averages are. But I mean, some of that also has to do with the fact that these primetime games, typically you get a, um, a marquee matchup more times than not. And in a marquee matchup, you're typically playing against a better defense. And Kirk Cousins has played on some bad teams in his career, especially some of those Redskins teams from a few years ago. So I don't take much stock into it. To be honest, I mean, maybe it's the smallest of factors into a handicap, but I, I don't buy it much. I think that's just a um, talking points for the national media to talk about. Fair enough. Well, at this part of the show, I think it's time to go on record and lock in some official prop bets for week two. Hitman, I know last week it was more overs than unders getting in support of A.J. Dillon as well as Kirk Cousins. This week, it seems like it might be going the other way, betting against some human achievement, if you will, when it comes to Tom Brady, Geno Smith, Melvin Gordon. Anything that stands out to lock in is an official play for our week two card. Um, yeah, we'll go with two plays. Let's go with one we didn't talk about. Cordero Patterson, under 49 and a half rush yards, widely available, looking at it right now. Uh, this did get bet. It opened in the mid-50s. It got bet under, but... I think that it was just a bad opener, to be honest. With Cordero Patterson, we don't know. I mean, is he going to be the lead back? Yeah, but he wasn't going to be the lead back last week until Damian Williams got hurt. So 
Atlanta kind of had to play him in that role. Do they? And there's a lot of ways to win this under. We could have game script go our way. We could have an injury. We could have the Falcons not play Patterson as much and use him more as the pass game back. We could have inefficiency. There's just a lot of ways to possibly win this one. So I think that Patterson under 49 and a half is a good look. And I'm looking through my list right now, trying to see something widely available. Let's go with the second. Geno Smith, we talked about his pass yards under. Let's go with the completions over. Under 20 and a half. Geno Smith isn't completing 82% of his passes again. And it's going to be, in my opinion, a low volume passing attack, potentially some bad weather, which could really make this number go a lot lower than 20 and a half at the close. So let's go with Geno Smith under 20 and a half completions widely available as our second prop. Sounds good. We will lock that in. And as we touched on previously, I'm going to go back to the well with Kyler Murray, taking him over 29 and a half rushing yards. I know that on Betstamp, for the sake of simplicity, we're tracking our plays all as like a standard one unit, $100 play, if that's somebody's average unit size. With Murray, I'm probably going to make this more of an eight-tenths of a unit play, reducing the stake just a bit in case he comes up short once again. Generally with props, I feel like there can be more value on unders, but just given the nature of the handicap I outlined, going to give Murray one more shot to get into the 30s with his rushing yardage output. I'm also going to go back to the well on a teaser this week. I feel a lot better about it than the Cowboys leg that we discussed at this stage of last week's show. This week, I think two really solid legs, even more than two solid legs on the board right now. But the two that I like the most, Washington taking them up to plus seven and a half at Detroit and pairing the commanders with the Panthers plus eight at the Giants. I'm not sure that the wrong team isn't favored in both of those games. So come kickoff, it could feel like we're getting more than the six points that we're paying for and both of these teasers pairing Washington with Carolina. Hitman, any thoughts on this week's teaser or any other teaser legs on the board that I haven't addressed yet? Full endorsement from me. And I make both those games pick them. So think about it. If it lines plus two and you're getting pick them, you know, it's a small edge, but it's not through a key number or anything. But think about how huge that is that you can now tease a team up to plus eight when your true value on the teaser is to plus six. That, that's an absolutely ginormous edge if you happen to power rate those games the way I power rate them. So I fully endorse that teaser. Love it. There we go. Well, let's try to break into the win column, at least with a teaser this weekend. We'll see if Kyler Murray can abide as well. At this stage, I'll go ahead and wrap us up. If you've enjoyed Hitman's insight here, you can catch him elsewhere on the Hammer Betting Network, breaking down his thoughts on sides and totals for every game on the board on Edge Rush. That show comes out every Thursday throughout the season, featuring Hitman alongside NFL handicapper Cleve TA and host Chris Abbott. Last but not least, you can also follow the Hammer Betting Network on Twitter at TheHammerHQ and check out all our content over at TheHammer.bet. Hitman and Jacob, thanks for another fun week two show. And to the audience, thanks for tuning in. Jacob and I will see you right back here on Wednesday. Same YouTube channel, same podcast feed if you're catching us in podcast form with Between the Lines, a look at week three line movement with pro better Fabian Summer. But until then, let's have a good time with week two in the NFL. Best of luck, everybody, with your bets this weekend. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying.